Hey, good morning. Wow, what a, what a beautiful community you have here. And I am so amazed about the amount of worship that I heard. Um, it was like living waters flowing from the stage here. You know, Darren and I have been a lot of places, and we've heard a lot of worship, and our house is really known for worship as well. And y'all have some amazing hearts and amazing sound coming out of this place. And I almost say it, I'm going to say it's almost like a, there's like a, a ramp anointing here. And I really see like the Lord using you um, in the future and hearing, how, even, how, even recording music out of this place. And fr- the, ramp, the ramp, the ramp is a, it's a church in Alabama and um, it just got started for a, a lady um, had a heart for, for worship. And really now it's, it's just this huge, like, mega church um, with young people that are drawn to it by the amount of worship. And they, they produce uh, such a sound from that place of music. And so I really feel like it's here. And it's a generational thing from old, um, older, I'm not going to say old, older to young to see your, your kids engaged in this, in this generation, and truly a ceiling uh, becoming their floor. It's such a powerful thing. Um, and, uh, you know, when Jordan, it was the lady Jordan came up here, talked about, you know, just a little seed of faith and um, feeling dormant. And I really wanted to, I mean, I feel like, um, you know, a lot of you are feeling like that, like you've got these little seeds in your heart and you're planting them. And I wrote a poem a couple years ago, and I really want to read this because in this house there will be oaks of righteousness, and there is oaks of righteousness in this place. And um, so I just want to read this poem that I wrote. Um, it's called The Seed. It says, The seed lies beneath the ground, for its season is yet to be found. It's only known by the sower. It waits and wonders what it will be. The sower knows and waits in glee. As the seed begins, its long-awaited destiny. The seed safely waits day by day as the sun comes and goes. The storm and the wind so often blows. The seeds has hope that it will soon begin to grow. Pain is felt at the center of its core, and it, be, and it splits in two and reveals even more of what the future has in store. The seed doesn't understand but trust in the hand of the one that has planted the, his promises, for it knows that this feeling is only for a season. I'm going to say it again. This feeling is only for a season. This pain some of you are feeling is only for a season. And that this pain is for a reason. It breaks the soil into the light of day and bask in each ray, soaking in the sun's glory because it knows that history will one day tell its story. The years have come and gone and the seasons have changed, but one thing has remained. The oak still trusts in the sower. Its roots run deep and its branches spread oh so wide with the strength of steel deep inside. This tree cannot be shaken for the years the process has taken for this seed to see that it has become an oak tree of destiny. Wow, baby, that's amazing. How many of you know when you find a good spouse, you're a better person because of that, right? And that's the truth with Wendy, my beautiful bride. We've been married going on almost 30 years years. Can you believe that? So we got married when we were 13. Uh, that's legal in South Carolina. Come on, somebody. Um, no, it's, it's, a real, it's a real honor to be with you today. Just a little bit about our family. We have three children. Um, our daughter, Savannah, is just a precious jewel in our heart. She's married now four years. We're waiting for grandbabies. Uh, but she lives in Nashville. She's a worship leader at a church up there called Legacy. And our son, Jesse, He's also very super creative. Um, he went to France for three years and, and traveled the world and, and worked with a, a ministry called YWAM, Youth of the Mission. And now he's just writing some really cool music and putting this music out. It's, 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 it's really, I think, appealing to the hearts of a generation in a big way. And then we have our final, uh, our one coming up, Luke Davis, who is a senior this year, and he's, he's the athlete. But then he also, just this couple, a couple months ago, picked up a guitar, started singing. I'm like, wow, like, where did that come from? It's, it's just amazing. So on both of our family's sides and our grandfathers and uh, just going back through generations, there's always been that music thread. And so actually, you know, wasn't sure what I was going to share on today, but I was telling Josh, um, we came up here kind of unexpected 
um, we had been pouring into a couple, a young couple in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Their father is, uh, her father was, is on the, the board. He's the chairman of Oral Roberts University. He pastors a, a, an influential church in Winston-Salem, and she was the worship leader of that church, her and her, her husband, Alan, and uh, only 27 years old, and we found out, I think it was Tuesday morning, that she had passed away. And so if you could, please join uh, me with many others that are praying for their family, for their church, for their community. But they were on, I think it was Wednesday, Dr. Rakes, uh, her father texted me and he said, Darren, he said, I was meeting with the family and we were wondering, could you come and just share tonight at her, at her, at her memorial service, at her uh, celebration of life? And initially the wind went out of my lungs, you know, I was like, oh my God, do I even have any of what it takes to step into a moment like that and just, and just bring hope, you know, bring a measure of healing to, to this community. And, and then I actually called Wendy. I was like, you're never going to believe this. And, and she actually just said, I, I, I already know what it is. They asked you to speak at the funeral, didn't they? And I was like, yeah, babe. And she's like, we got to do it. We got to go. So after this service, we're going to be heading that way. If you guys could please just keep us in prayer. You know, we just want to be. This, this is actually what I want to talk about, us being instruments in the earth, you know, to, to, just, to just bring rest and peace. How many of you know, it, it, it's, I don't know, it, it's, it's a crazy, interesting time right now. I think in history, and especially in our culture, and I'm actually not discouraged by that, because when you look at even Isaiah 61, which talks about, it's really the gospel, and, and Jesus is the first message he preached after he came out of the wilderness, you know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Because he's, he's given me, you know, this to change that and, and, and this to, to, to pull, you know, just all of the beauty of restoration that was always in the life of Jesus that, that he was saying, hey, this is why God has, has graced me with his spirit. And, and, it was, and it was a life that he lived that actually um, he modeled uh, to show us what was possible for us. You know what I mean? It, it's not like, oh, Jesus, that's, all the, that, that, that's what Jesus did, but we're just trying to hold on and make it through life. No, listen, Christ in us is the hope of glory for the whole world. That's amazing to me. Can you imagine like that the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, resides on the insides of our frames? My goodness. My goodness. And so, you know, I want to talk about actually oaks of righteousness. My wife was like, what are you going to talk on? I was like, man, I, but I've been feeling this, this stirring. And I told him I was listening to this song by Will Reagan. It said, take a moment. And, and basically, it's, it's, he's singing about the rest of the Lord. He's, he's talking about taking the yoke of Jesus upon, upon yourself, you know. And you'll find rest for your what? What does it say? Rest for your soul, right? Your mind, your will, your emotions. You'll find rest as you take upon the yoke of Jesus. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light, right? That's what it says in the word of the Lord. But I want, I want you to think about, like right now, I remember when my son was in France, which, which I think it's changing now. There's a move of God happening there. But it, it's, it, was, a, it was a nation 100% devoid of the gospel. I know what that's like. I grew up in Montana, um, you know, out west, and my father was Evil Knievel's pilot back in the 70s for all the old people in the room. Come on, somebody. And young people, Twitter, look it up on, on, on Facebook, I mean, wherever, just Google it, Evil Knievel. So I was raised in Montana and ended up getting a, a scholarship to the University of South Carolina, Go Gamecocks. I'm not in friendly territory here. Uh-oh. Actually, we're taking you guys on, I think, pretty soon down in Charlotte. It's, it's the first game of the season. So anyhow, you guys, anyhow, I love all the North Carolina fans. But we're, we're deeply, we're actually, this is home to us. I mean, the Carolinas. My wife's a sixth-generation Carolinian. We met at South Carolina. And, and so this is just this, the, whole, the whole Carolina region I, we just love. But when I was growing up in Montana, I don't remember one person I don't know of one person that was a believer, that, that, that had a relationship with Jesus. So anyhow, long story, how I ended up coming to Christ at South Carolina, changed my whole life, and ended up meeting my beautiful bride, and off we went on this amazing journey. 
but I know what it's like. I wasn't raised in church. I know what it's like to feel completely empty, to feel burdened by, by all of the realities of the culture of this world, right? And it's, man, it, it, was, it was dark. It was rough. It was, I mean, I literally just, there was no hope inside of my, inside of my frame in, the, in that environment, in that atmosphere. And this is why I believe that God is calling us as the bride of Christ to actually come in to the fullness of who we were always created to be in him. It's in you. It's in me. We're on a journey to actually just awaken to the reality of what we actually carry. This nature of Jesus. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing to me. And you see... Some of this imagery, I was in Isaiah 61, it says that you shall become, he says, as he's referring to, I'm going to give beauty where there's been ashes, I'm going to give joy where there's been mourning, I'm going to give praise where there's been heaviness. It's talking about a whole shift of an entire culture, a change of an environment, a change of the atmosphere, right? Some shift of, of, of where things were to a whole new reality. It's like he was praying, Josh praying, heaven come. You know, it's like the reality of the, the, where the existence of God dwells outside of any and all brokenness actually coming to our cities. I know it's the same here in Statesville, but where we live in South Florida, down in Miami and Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, I mean, you know, we're now the gatekeepers in that area. It's time for us to, to close doors to things that need to be kept out, right? And open doors to kings of, king of glory to actually come in and do something different, right? Where it's our responsibility. But it, but it happens by us coming in to who we were always created to be. And that's why in Isaiah 61, he said, you shall become the oaks of, the, of righteousness, the planting, he says, of the Lord, where you're firmly established and rooted in that reality. That's amazing. Because sometimes I feel completely weak, you know, in that journey. That's okay, because then his power is perfected in the midst of my weakness, right? No more fear resides, as, as my brother was playing this morning. Man, perfect love comes, and man says, no, yes, this is your portion. This is what you were always created to carry. And I love, I love, it's all throughout the, the, the Bible. I mean, you look at the, like the, the river that Ezekiel sees and, and what, what's lined along the river on both sides, these, these oaks, these oak trees, right? You see in Revelation, the same thing. There's this river that, that comes from the throne of God, from the authority of God. There's life right in water. There's life in rivers. And, and along the, 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 the river there that's coming from the throne are all these trees, and what comes off of these trees, if you will, again, just symbolism of people, are these leaves. And it says that the, 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 the essence of the tree in these leaves, what does it do? It says that it brings what? Healing to the nations. I mean, should we Be astonished that God actually wants to use us to change the world? <laughs> That's always been the plan. Always. In fact, we see echoed in the prophets of the Old Testament. He says, listen, I've, I've got something for you as a people, as a generation, as a nation on the, as a generation on the earth right now in the midst of this nation, that if I told you, what I was going to actually do through your life, it's so massive. I'm not talking about being on a stage. I'm not talking about becoming a preacher. I'm talking about becoming a worship. I'm talking about the essence of Christ working through you to bring rest and peace to a culture that's in complete chaos. If I told you the degree of how I was going to use you to change the atmosphere over a city, a nation, and nations of the earth, you probably wouldn't even believe me. It's that profound. Just, just for a few minutes, I, I, I just, I felt that the Lord wanted me to say something over your amazing leader and his beautiful bride, their family, and this spiritual family just for the next few minutes, okay? Just for a couple of minutes. Because as I had this thing stirring in my heart about rest, 
I, I felt it was very, very closely tied, as Wendy already alluded to, to, to worship and the grace of worship over this community. And again, what she shared, what she just mentioned, we had no conversation about this, right? So I felt something very, very strongly. So this morning, I was actually um, going to fly. There's a, there's a little club I'm a part of in North Carolina with this little Cessna 172. I'm, I'm a pilot now like my father was, and I was going to actually fly down because the weather's perfect, and it's very inexpensive to rent this little plane, and I was going to do it. And then I, I, we just couldn't because my wife's the one that's practical and the time manager. Uh, anybody else relate to that? I'm just not. I'm just like, let's do this. I'll fly there. We'll go here, and then we'll come. And she's like, Darren, Darren, no. And so I'm like, Josh, I'm, I'm going to drive. I'm just, we're going to drive down. We were up in, in Wilkesboro. And I said, I need the address. And when he sent me the address, it was whatever, whatever, shady rest road or whatever. I was like, what? That's amazing. I just wrote, I texted him back. I just said, man, that's a really good name. But I think you guys before were at like Warrior Lane or something. I don't know, whatever it was. So. Isn't that, so there's, a, there's, there's this battle, there's this war, but it's going to be won from the place of rest. And not only rest, but shady rest. Where, where oak trees are raised up of righteousness that actually reflect the essence of Jesus. That's incredible. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Right? I mean, this is where I'm just, I'm, I'm in awe of the Lord. Like, how in the world, do you, like, even before the foundation of the earth, you, like, just had all those things kind of planned out just to blow our minds, right? I remember when Josh, I mean, you guys were in a school for a long time. I know what that's like to set up and tear down. Wendy and I did that when we planted a church in Birmingham. That church grew to almost 3,000 people in the time that we were there and setting up and tearing down. It's a lot of work, and then I don't even know, the, there's a miracle, really, of how this, even this story of this place happened. So there's something that God's just trying to say to us through these little things. And man, it should awaken one thing, faith, really, right? It's like, oh my God, like this is real. <laughs> That's what I love about the prophetic. And I'm sure you guys have talked a lot about that here in this church. But every time like someone gets a word of knowledge where they have an underst- a, a, a piece of information about me that they never could have known unless the Lord tells them, I'm blown away, and I always go, God, you are real. <laughs> and I'm a pastor. That's what I say. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Lord, you're real. This is really real. In fact, when we were just a little story, and then I'm just going to get into the little thing that I want to say over you guys. But when we were um, living in Birmingham, and we were in the midst of this move of God that actually hit there, the church that we left uh, to go and plant, in South, plant another church in South Florida it's now 65,000 people, and not because it's a cool megachurch or something. It was like there was the Spirit of God was touching down in that city of Birmingham, and people that had always gone to church, and if you were to ask any of, any of them, oh, I, I know Jesus, we would have these Wednesday night meetings in the living room of a, of a doctor's house, uh, orthopedic surgeon's home. He would clear out all of his furniture, and we'd have like 200 people in his living room. And doctors and lawyers and, and business owners and cashiers and school teachers would pile into this little home and then they would just be crying. They're like, Darren, we've never felt or experienced anything like this before. What is this? I said, man, this is the presence of Jesus, like coming to touch your heart and change your life. And people's lives were getting turned inside. It was amazing. But anyhow, I go to Brazil on a mission trip, and while I was over there, the Lord said, your time in Birmingham's done, and I'm calling you to move to South Florida. Plant a church in Fort Lauderdale. You'll have campuses in West Palm Beach and Miami. And, man, I was thinking, that's a big decision. You know, that's a huge move. I mean, we're happy in Birmingham. We're going to be moving to the jungle of South Florida. Man, we need to know this is from the Lord. And so we, at the time we were living in Birmingham, decided to go to this conference in Charlotte. And on the way, it was weird. It was like every other car on the highway that was passing our vehicle was a Florida car. And I don't know if you've seen Florida license plates, but they have a little orange on the license plate. 
And at first, I was like, this is, this is, am I just making this up? And then there goes another one, there goes another one. And I finally, I said to my team, I'm like, are you guys seeing this? Like, there are Florida cars everywhere. And I was just staring at the orange on those license plates, and I was asking, with each one that just continued to go by, God, is this you? So we get up to the conference. There's like 5,000 people there. And the, and the fire department showed up, and they could only allow 4,000 into the worship session. We were a little late getting there. So they had a close-off entrance into the worship, and they just kind of just they didn't know what to do. They said, we're going to pull the other 1,000 over to this other meeting room, and we're going to talk about how God still speaks. I was kind of bummed. I was like, Lord, I already know you speak. I want to be in the worship. I want to just be, you know, just seeking your face. And, and so we get in there, and these, and these guys, it was pretty cool because they were like, well, since we're going to be doing this, we're going to might as well just really step out on the edge. And, and the leaders were like, we're going to say some things over some people, and it's either going to have to be the Lord or not. And the third one in, they called me out. Have you ever had that happen where you, someone points to you and you're like looking back, you know, to see if it's someone behind you and me, you know? Uh, and he's like, yeah, you. And I, and I stood up. And you know what the guy said? This was his word to me. He said, there's an orange in your eye. It's a true story. All of my team can verify it. I bet you... Every person in that room was like, he missed it. Oh, my God, totally missed it. And I'm there like, (laughs) crying like a little baby because I knew exactly what he was saying to me. And then he said very calmly after that, he goes, and you're contemplating a move to South Florida and you just need to be at rest and know that it's me. So here's the deal. We're all on a journey. We're all going somewhere individually, but we're all going somewhere together, and we're going on a journey of rest so that we can bring rest to the earth, and it's going to be through worship. Now, just quickly, here's what I want to do. The the problem with our language compared to the, the language that we, that we see, whether it's in Hebrew or within Greek in, in, in the New Testament, is that we're very limited in our language in America, right? For example, if I say, I love North Carolina barbecue, and then I say, I love my wife, Hopefully, those are two completely different things. Can I get an amen? You following me? But what's amazing about the word of the Lord and, and the design of God and how the, the, the New Testament, even the Old Testament, was written, and, and, and it, it kind of pulls us into a place where we really need to study and go a little bit deeper, and there's tools for all of us to do it. You don't have to be a pastor to, to go a little deeper. Just, just download a Strong's Concordance on your, on your phone and just start clicking on words and go back to the original language and see actually what the real, the deeper meaning is. Like, for example, in love, there's, there's different words for love in the, in the New Testament. Agape, which is that pure, unhindered love. There's phileo love. You know, there's sorge love, there's, there's uh, eros love, there's different forms of love that all have different meanings, right? And the same is true with worship. Now, here's, here's what, I, what I feel, because we're talking about you guys having a worship grace over this house. It's, it's way, way bigger than singing songs on Sunday. In fact, I think... This has been one of the big problems with, with us actually coming into who we were supposed to be. We actually so often segregate what happens in a time like this from the rest of what God wants to do in and through our lives. Like Whitney, who we're going to celebrate tonight, and her life, yes, she was a worship leader, but she lived a life of worship. There's a major difference. You can, you can be an, an incredible musician or singer 
And all of that is great and wonderful. And I think there's something about coming together corporately and singing songs and letting that presence of God come and worshiping in that way. But it should come and, and engage our insides to pull out this reality of Jesus so that we can actually live it out throughout our week. Right? Because, you know, wherever we're positioned, this is why I think God's up to these spheres of influence things where, where he's putting people in certain spaces within culture, wherever you're working or in your neighborhoods or the people that you know. There, there's, there's design behind that because you may be the only person that could actually have access to those other people's lives and you may be the only Jesus that, that anybody ever sees. Does that make sense? So this is why this whole move of God and what I believe is happening, and when he referred to the ramp, it's just an uprising of worshipers because the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro across the entire earth to show himself strong on, on behalf of those whose hearts are truly loyal to him, right? Like truly sold out because he wants to raise up an army. If you believe that, say amen. So, so I just want to just say, just, just give you these seven different words that are different facets of what worship actually is and actually what we're called to carry. Just quickly, okay? All right. So the first one is the word yadah. Yadah. It, it literally means to revere or to worship with extended hands. Now, I know that we do that, especially in churches like our flow and our flavor and all that kind of thing. And I think we, we just have to kind of be reminded of exactly what this word means and how it even differs from maybe even just these moments where we kind of go through, you know, the, the worship set and it's like, okay, now it's time. You know what I mean? Like where you're kinda, you kind of, you can kind of get in this rut where you're like, okay, wow, that's pretty good. I'm at like, I call it like half staff, you know, in your worship. Now I'm going to full-blown praise, you know, full extension you know what I mean? Maybe I'm not really feeling it like our brother was saying. Now I'm digging for change. You know what I mean? Like, it, here, here's what Yadah is all about. It, it, it really, if you look at it a little deeper, it's, it's, it's in, indicative of a child running over to his father and reaching up for him to pick him up into his arms. In essence, Yadah is all about one thing. It's all about trust. Now, one thing I've learned about marriage is in any relationship, especially in marriage, if you don't have trust, there really is no strong foundation for the relationship. This is why the enemy is trying to erode trust in the church. He's trying to erode trust in marriages. He's trying to erode trust in friendships. It's his chief weapon is to break down the strength of relationships by eroding one thing, trust. And the same is true of the Lord. It's why I'm actually very upset. We were watching a movie the other night. We thought it was going to be a good movie. And as we got into it, it was, man, it was all designed about, like, making the church, God, and Christians look like a joke, to the world. Why? Because God, you know, the enemy wants to erode trust as it relates to these types of things. It's also surrender. <laughs> How many of you sometimes you feel like, man, you don't have everything in control? I was talking to a young guy the other day that was going to preach for me at the harbor, and he was kind of, he, he, he actually said, I can't do it, and I went and met with him. Hey, what's going on, man? This guy's an amazing communicator. And the long and short of it is, is that he wanted to have all of his stars aligned, everything in perfect order, this all together, and I said, listen, man, serving, if it was about everything being perfect before we surrender, before we trust, before we step out and do what God's calling us to do, man, we'll never do it. It's actually in those moments where we're not in control that actually we come to God. God, I need, like, like how I'm going up to North Carolina, Winston-Salem right now. I don't feel like I have it all together to step into a crowd of maybe four to 6,000 people and somehow bring comfort and hope to their hearts. And then, man, in these moments, I'm like, Lord, two things. I trust you and I surrender to you. 
That is worship. Are you following me? The next one is halal. I like this one. It's, it's really interesting. It means to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. It's actually where we get the word hallelujah in the Bible. That's really an interesting word because it's one of the only words in all of the, the vocabulary of the earth that doesn't ever have to be translated. Hallelujah in Arabic is hallelujah. Hallelujah in Spanish is hallelujah. Hallelujah in any language is hallelujah. Isn't that interesting? And it means to rave, to boast. It's like where when you see like God really being God, you like go ballistic. I think there's times, man, that needs to break out in our lives. Where we go nuts. There's been times I've been driving in my car. Have you ever had this happen and like a worship song comes on? You're in one of those God moments and you're just going crazy and then you look over and that person's sitting next to you at the light looking at you like, what in the world? Right? Have you ever done that? Like that person's crazy. That's what, it kind of looks like that. Now the interesting thing is halal is not mentioned that many times in the, in the New Testament or in, in the Bible at all actually. It's only, let me see, I think I wrote this down. Um... Yeah, 24 times in the Old Testament and only four times in the New Testament. You know what that shows me? You don't need to be weird all the time. Hello. Have you ever met a Christian that's just weird? And not only weird, they're weird all the time. That's not hallelujah. That's not what we're talking about here today, all right? But there are times... That man, it may be completely appropriate for you to lose your mind boasting and giving praise and raving on Jesus. I mean, we come from South Carolina, USC, and man, 75,000 people every Saturday during football season lose their minds. Actually, not that much because we've been losing for a very long time. We start out losing our minds, and then the wind is sucked out of us as Clemson, and everybody else rolls over the top of us. Come on, somebody. Zamar. This is actually what we saw today, where you make worship through instruments, through singing, through praise. What time is it? I think that's, that's amazing. It's, it's great. I'm not going to dwell on that one too much. Toda. Here, here's one that I want to just kind of go there for just a minute. It, it, it's the word that literally means thanksgiving for promises that have not yet been fulfilled. You want to talk about worship? <laughs> Way more than singing on a stage. What about thanking God for those things that you know were of him but have not yet been fulfilled? We had this couple. We, they're still there at our church. They helped plant in the early years, helped fashion and form many of our ministries that we're, we're seeing complete fruit of from today. But the wife of this couple that's now, I think, 40, they, they started out in their early 20s, um, the doctors told her that she would never, it's a pretty strong word, right? Never get pregnant. Never. So they didn't have to use birth control. Can I get an amen? Saved a little money in their budget. Praise the Lord for that. But what they did do is they decided to go ahead. They loved kids, and they decided to go ahead and foster and they had 44 foster children come through their home. 44. And of those 44, they were able to adopt five of those kids. It's amazing. But she would continue to thank God in the midst of that whole journey that he had given her a promise that she would have children of her own one day. Ten years later, after they adopted the five kids, 
she gets pregnant. We're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. What? God is really real. We may not see that all the time, but I tell you what, there's something about holding on to the promises that are spoken over our lives, our families, our children, our extended families, over our churches, over our community. There's something about never losing hope over what God has said. Never. That, my friends, is worship. That's when it really starts to get serious. And that's what the enemy wants to take away from us. Then last year, she got pregnant again. Now we're in crisis mode, seven kids. Come on, somebody. Now we're entering into the button zone, right? Having to think about minibuses, you know what I mean? It's like it goes to a whole other level. I'm almost glad we didn't have that kind of faith, baby. Come on. Three, man. That was it. Um, okay. Two more, and then we're done. Three more. Barak. It means to kneel or to bow. I think there's something about having a lifestyle that yields to God. You ever feel like sometimes you're in this journey and you feel him wooing your heart, and, but man, you still, you know, but don't really know, but you're kind of resisting a little bit. Uh, don't want to go there. Don't want to let God in there. Don't know if I want to do that. Don't know if I want to really go to that degree. But it's, there's something about barocking God through worship where we kneel and yield. Did you know that if you look at the Beatitudes, the entrance of God's kingdom into the heart, Jesus says, is to have poverty of spirit. We think that that's being, about being poor. It's not about being poor at all. It's about having need of God. Go study it out. If you have need of God, blessed are you because yours is what? The kingdom of God. The rule of heaven. God loves to see somebody yield. I was telling our church the other week, because I was talking about an example of, of something that happened with Wendy and I and when we were living in Greenville, North Carolina, and this, this guy from Phoenix, Arizona, prayed for us, and we, we went out in the Holy Spirit for the first time ever in our life. That's a mind trip when you don't have a catcher. <laughs> and you actually don't even remember feeling any effect of hitting the floor. I was actually, I was crying. I was trying to wipe my tears, but I couldn't get my hand up because I was laying on the left side of my, my body over my arm. But I was telling our church, I was like, you know, sometimes people go, where's that in the Bible? And I said, here's, here it is. The example of Jesus, when those guys came to arrest him, he took one step forward and pff, they all went over, right? And I said, because this. When one force comes in contact with another force, one of them has to give. <laughs> now, here's the thing about Jesus and the Father is he's a gentleman. He won't come uninvited. That's how polite he is. So when you yield, then there's transference. There, you, you go to a whole other level. It's, man, when I finally started getting out of my pride, which is actually at the end of the day, fear and insecurity, then, man, stuff started to happen. <laughs> Because the grace was able to come. All right. Tequila. I didn't say tequila. Come on, somebody. <laughs> tequila. <clears throat> I know you guys are f a free church here and everything. You're not under the law. But I didn't say tequila. Come on. Tequila. I love this one. It's a spontaneous song. Oh, you love those moments like when worship comes and then it just flows out of you? What about during your week? When you don't even know what to say, you don't know what to sing, you just get lost in God's presence, and then, man, stuff starts to come out of you, like where in the world did that come from? Spontaneity. Last one. I don't know what we're going to do to close, Josh, but um, maybe if you could come up just for a minute, just play or keyboardist. But the last one, I, I like this one. It's Shabbat. It means to joyfully shout, address in a loud, a loud tone, to commend glory and triumph to God. All right. Last, last uh, Sunday, we were in the back with our team, and so we have these times together, and we were just talking, and, and uh, 
I was asking the worship team, I was like, hey, did you guys feel anything just as you were running through your rehearsal this morning? Did you feel anything? And um, Megan, who's one of our young worship leaders, she's amazing. She goes, man, I just, I just saw Jesus like seated in that place of like authority, that seat of honor right next to the Father. I was like, wow, Megan, that's amazing because in the meeting before this, Spencer, another one of our young guys, he was feeling that we needed to understand that Christ has already led us into triumph through what he did on the cross. And I think sometimes we forget. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded. And the Holy Spirit wants us to come under that moment in our spirits and our hearts and, and give glory and honor and, and just lift a shout for what Christ has done. Last thing as we close. If you think about, again, imagery, the body of Christ that was coming out of slavery in Egypt, they cross over Jordan, there was the baptism. Just, it, was, it was a reenactment of what Jesus did actually in the New Testament. Same story, wilderness, Jordan, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased, right? Same thing, it's beautiful, the parallel. But when they come in to the land, what does God have them do? He sends them to the most fortified city of all the enemies that they were going to face. Hey, we're living in a land of giants. We can't deny that. I think burying our head in the sand is bad theology. I think that knowing who God is is good theology. So they go to the most, they didn't go to the like 10th most fortified. They went to the biggest one. It's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He went to the biggest enemy of humanity, which was death, hell, and the grave. And he took it on straight away. It was so impactful that when the blood, the, the, the pure spotless blood spilled from the side of the Lamb of God, the earth shook. I mean, guys, these are not just stories. Dead people started to get up out of their graves in Jerusalem, walk into the city, and started to tell people about the kingdom of God. A Roman centurion, the most disciplined soldier of its time, it'd be like the Green Beret or, or, or Navy SEALs, breaks total military protocol because he was in charge of crucifying this guy. He lets out a sound and says, truly, this must be the Son of God. Mary Magdalene, who was a woman, totally looked down upon in that culture, and not only that, a prostitute filled with seven demons, goes to the tomb, and when Jesus appears to her, we're talking about complete impossibilities turned around. Are you seeing this through worship? Just for two minutes, could we just close our eyes just for a second, and could we just do a couple of things? Could we, could we pause, and could we ask this question, or could, could I stir your heart to trust again? Awesome, if you lift hands in worship in a Sunday morning, but I'm, I'm saying more than that. Could you Trust God again. Lord, help us to look at you as a father again who, who, who truly cares about our lives, every detail. And let us, Yadaw, you. Let us lift our hands and surrender. 
knowing that, God, we yield to your omnipotence and your omnipresence. What about this? What about when the Spirit of God starts to move on your heart or you're, you're, you're like in a moment where, man, Jesus did something that only Jesus could do? Would you have the courage just to go crazy, go total hallelujah for the Lord? To rave? And for Zamar, Lord, let's pray. God, raise up a worship movement out of this church. God, do something that only you could do. Lord, bring in young, old, as Wendy said. Just bring him in by the multitudes. God, raise up a Zamar worship movement within this house in Jesus' name. Let instrumentalists come. Let singers come. Let musicians, let, let all of it come into this place. Leadership, all that is needed to stir something up more than ever before in this city in Jesus' name. What about Todah? Quickly. Come on, there's promises in this room yet to be fulfilled. Could you right there in your seat, could you thank the Lord for that promise? Give him praise for something that's already done even though you haven't seen it yet. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Barak, maybe it's appropriate. Some of us need to kneel and bow before God. To say, Lord, we're not going to come at this in our own strength. We're going to get rid of pride, fear, insecurity. Lord, we're just going to humble ourselves. Let spontaneity flow from us. Let Tehillah flow from us. God, let us get out of the, the rut of just existing. I call forth, God, from the spirit of every person in this place and that will listen to this over the internet. God, let the river flow again. Let life flow again. You promised that where the, the smoldering flax is, you will not allow it to be extinguished. God, bring fire into the inside of us again. Could you stand with me? As we close, and I just want to end this way because this is how it ended for the children of Israel where, and where it all began. They, as they walked around seven times, they lifted up a shout, and the walls fell, and it sent fear into the enemy's camp. I'm not trying to be religious or weird. I actually don't like any of that stuff. I'm, I'm like, whew, always trying to just... Pull us as the body of Christ to where we're, where people can, they want to hang, they want to, they want to connect to us. They feel something when they get around us. I'm starting to hang around more lost people and business guys and people that don't even know Jesus. It's amazing. They're like, there's something different about you. That's right, because I'm now becoming an oak of righteousness. My shade is shielding you from the sun that's killing you right now, that's beating down in your life. But I want to just ask if you would join me let's lift up a shabak just over all that's going on in this room i don't know all the details of everyone's life but if we could just do that just quickly i know that may be a little whatever different but there's something about a shout that just it really sends fear to the heart of our adversary because, man, we're saying we're not stopping. We're not giving up. We trust God. We yield to him. We bow before him. We, 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 we allow his, his presence to flow through us. We're going we're gonna to be worshipers with our lives. So on the count of three, I just want us to lift up our voices and just close out today by shaking the heavens with something that flows from the inside of us. So three, two, one.
Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Let's just begin to thank God for all that he's going to do over Statesville, over North Carolina, over this generation. Thank you that you're breaking off anxiety and fear. You're breaking off hopelessness. You're breaking addiction. God, you're setting people free. God, you're coming into marriages and homes and relationships again. God, you're starting to turn things around through your bride. God, we thank you. You are so good. You are so good. Now, here's what I want to do. I just want to pray over your own heart. Put your hand over your heart. This is the ministry call today. It's for everybody in the room. Lord, I'm asking that the peace and shalom of heaven would cover every single person in this room, all of their worries, all of their fears. I pray that they would come in to your rest. I pray that they'd find shelter underneath your wings. There's a lot of, lot of concern here today for provision, and I'm asking, Lord, that like you said in, in, in Matthew, that, that as your children, you take care of all those things to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, and everything will be added. Lord, come and bring peace over concerns financially. Give wisdom on, on, on what to do and how to find jobs and do all those things. Lord, open up avenues for your people like you promised you would. Come on, just in a quiet way, could you just tell Jesus you love him just as we go, Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. There is none like you. Come on, tell him. There is none like you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for that rest. before we go, breathe that in. Breathe that peace in. It's so good. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Josh, you guys are amazing. This church is amazing. Can we give it up for your pastors? Aren't these guys amazing? <laughs>